You're listening to Crossings Conversations from Church Divinity School of the Pacific, a show about leaders creating Christian community and sharing God's love. This is Kyle Oliver, Communications and Marketing Manager at Church Divinity School of the Pacific, and I'm here with the Right Reverend Carly Hughes of the Diocese of Newark. Bishop Hughes, thanks so much for being with us. Glad to join you. Uh, So this is a conversation about uh, leadership formation in the church, and uh, we wanted to start by asking a question about in the time that you've been in your your current position as the Bishop of Newark, um, how has your thinking about leadership formation um, maybe changed over that time? Um, I don't know that it's really changed, and part of that is where I am in my episcopacy. So I've been the Bishop of Newark for about two years which means I know enough to be dangerous (laughs) and I still don't know what I don't know. So I'm discovering as I go along the things that um, I think are important to me. Like I I discovered uh, probably last week that Episcopal seminaries are incredibly important to me. Mm. So much so that I, I said to an executive assistant, if someone calls from an Episcopal seminary, you need to put them through directly to me. Wow. their mission is important to the church and to Mm. what we're trying to accomplish. So that was kind of new for me and her (laughs) to find that out. But I hadn't, you know, it hadn't solidified in my mind. So very much is I'm working with new priests and working through the ordination process, which I did not close when I entered the diocese. We needed priests too much. Mm. Um, So the, the thing that has come to me in this these two years and with the new people, the newly ordained that I've dealt with in this amount of time, is what is most helpful is when people enter with a, a posture of being willing to learn mm. um, and willing to try things. And um, what is not helpful is when people enter into um, ordained ministry um, thinking or kind of fixed that they have to know all of the answers. And not only that they have to know all of the answers, they are certain that they know all of the (laughs) answers. You know, with the certainty that you had when you were 14 or 15, if I could ever be that certain again, I would love it. (laughs) But but that's not how it works. In the the, um, current environment that we're in is, so topsy-turvy and changing so quickly and every week gets challenging in ways that we weren't expecting and weren't prepared for the week before. Um, We really are figuring it out as we go, you know, and I can remember someone saying to me in a parish years ago, what do you mean figure it out? And I'm like, um, figure it out. Once we have more information, we'll start making decisions. And they're like, you can't run a business like that. And I said, no, 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 no. Everybody's running a business like that right now. That was five years ago. Yeah. Wow. So in this environment that we're in right now, I just, I don't know how you walk into anything with certainty. Yeah. yeah. You just have to be willing to kind of work with what you have, learn what you don't know, yeah. um, try things see what works. Um, And I think if people can start in that place um, and, and that's not how we train leaders. Mm -hmm. We don't train leaders and say, Hey, a good leader walks in not knowing what they're going to do on day one. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know. Um, I remember someone being very helpful um, when I was packing to leave here and they sent me a 90-day book saying, here's something you can use for your first 90 days as bishop. Hmm. Oh, wow. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'm sure it's going to work like that. (laughs) (laughs) Day two, let me look and see what it says. So anyway. Do you think there's a... um a spiritual component to that sort of orientation that you're describing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's, you know, um, probably the other piece of it um, that I've just kind of been noticing across the board. I talk with clergy routinely about working their spiritual lives. I certainly talk about it with laity, Um, but the, the conversation with clergy is different. Naively, I just expected that everybody followed the rules. And they said when we got to seminary, I mean, my bishop said, you must go to chapel every day and you must have a spiritual director. And I'm like, yes, sir, Bishop. (laughs) I did it. But I I deal with people who never went to chapel Hmm. on a routine basis and who tried a spiritual director, first one didn't work and haven't done it since. Maybe some people are just infinitely good at kind of being aware of what God's spirit is trying to do, the direction that we're headed in. But I find I'm a pretty average person and most average people actually need community and they need support and they need someone wise or experienced, a, a spiritual friend, guide, community, somebody that can kind of help anchor you in that. Well, at any point in ministry, but particularly in the entry point, if you're going to go in and immediately have to deal with volatility and uncertainty, gosh, if you know you can count on the fact that you are called, you're doing what God asked you to do, then there's a good chance that God's going to give you what you need to get done what you need to do. Um, But it takes working that part of your life, um, which is not always a given. Sometimes people need encouragement. Mm, Yeah, thank you. Um, So I want to pivot now a little to uh, maybe some, uh, a a story or two. I'm curious, um, um, in the, in the new leaders uh, uh, that you're meeting and working with in your context, maybe that's seminarians or recent grads or, or people new to the diocese, um, however you want to kind of approach it. Um, curious about uh, stories stories from new leadership that are um, that are making you hopeful for the future of the church. Um, I, you know the the fact that they are there <laughs> makes me hopeful. Number one, we've been putting out these messages about the death of Christendom so effectively over the last fifteen years, and that's when you talk about the church. That's what we do because part of it is we're so freaked out about um, decline and um, freaked out about what, what are we going to do with all of our churches that are sitting empty. The, the, the interesting thing is it seems as if someone forgot to tell God not to call anybody mm-hmm. and forgot to tell those who feel called to go. Mm-hmm. So, so that keeps happening in you know, they, they come in um, wherever they're coming from in whatever age they're coming in, they're coming in with the sensibilities and a sense of the needs of 
groups of people who have not been in the church for a while, and any of us who have been in the church for a while, if we've been serving for a while, et cetera, as much as we we want to reach that group, we're surrounded by church people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We yeah. genuinely are. So, so that is a heartening thing to me. First of all, just their presence, but also their their very real connection to something that is sort of beyond um, professional church world. Mm. Um, and, and there's a kind of a, a gift to that and a cheekiness to that that I like. I mean, I just love the way people will just kind of bring things up. And, um, it doesn't cross their mind. I get, I get aggravated when someone tries to rein them in because they're afraid it's going to upset the bishop. And I'm like, trust me, if I'm upset, I'm going to let people know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to work that out of them. There's mm. enough in life that's going to work that out of them. Mm. But right now, that kind of unbridled enthusiasm and creativity, um, I think that that's a a gift to the church. Because again, we're figuring it out as we go. So for people to just keep coming up with things, um, that's that's really important to us. And especially right now, you know, to have, you know, someone brand spanking new um, and like young and very new, <laughs> and we're three week, three weeks into pandemic, and um, this person saying, "Well, Bishop, I just don't think we have uh, done enough thinking about formation." I'm like, "I know, mm. we haven't." Yeah, you know, yeah. room full of experienced priests mm. all thinking the same thing. Mm. None of us can get to it, you know. But it's the kid <laughs> that mm. brings mm. it up. It's also the kid that formed the committee that started mm. doing the work mm. that has continued to grow over the last six months. And that I now hand things off to and say, here's this little thing that I think if you could shepherd this, it might turn into a thing for us. Yeah. Um, that would be so, helpful to the diocese. So that committee is is thinking about about um, formation broadly. Adult formation. Yeah. Got yeah. it during and, during and COVID specifically, right? During this, um, you know how how do we do that when you're not in classrooms? Yeah, you know. So, I, y'all are asking that same question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, have they? Are there are there um, things they've come up with that have been particularly interesting to you? Um, some things that caught my attention right away is you know they. Uh, they were specifically looking at adults, but um, what started happening was a pressing need in terms of children mm-hmm. in getting away from Zoom. And so they moved to just some online storytelling that's mm-hmm. kind of happening at different churches all over the diocese. Well, thank you for that. Um, I want to uh, invite you in this next question to uh, you know think big. Uh, sky's the limit here. Um, uh, we're wondering if you could... If you could commission, or you know, or, or maybe team teach, you know, I don't know how you want to think about this, but um, uh, if you could commission some kind of special topics course or something uh, at a seminary, and you could have, you could have any instructor uh, teaching any topic, uh, what would you, what would you like to invite that person uh, to teach, and who would they be? I would love to have somebody like Bobby McFerrin or Yo Yo Ma 
sit mm. with a group of students and talk about how you get people to coalesce? How do you get people to build into a team, move in the same direction at the same time, making the same sound that is moving to the whole wide world that listens to it, Hmm. um, but there's no competition. Hmm. Hmm. And everybody knows that their piece and their part is really important. And I, I think of those two in, in particular because I've watched them in all kinds of strange settings and mm. um, working with all, all sorts of other groups, you know. Um, and then Bobby McFerrin in particular so often, it's just him. Mm. There's, there's no big team. There's no, and next thing you know, the whole audience is making the music with him. And um, this, this piece of, um, of working together, I, I think we have this tendency to think that, um, that that's a gift like the natural born leaders and they're natural born team builders. And some people just have high emotional intelligence and can work with the room and get people to do things. And I'm not so certain of that because hello, NFL, NBA, major league baseball, um, every a, a professional orchestra. I mean, there are teams all over the place that work together that would be a very interesting thing. So I'm not a big sports person, but to have a sports coach yeah. talk about and, and work with people and, and actually do it. You yeah. know, I mean, yeah. like go to a court or a field yeah. and explain, let them walk through, work through how to get it in your body, what it feels like to be in a team. Cause the one thing I think that, gets us thrown off in seminary is you are in your own little room, typing up your own little thing. Mm. And um, you have this weird little sense of competition with yourself. Mm. You know, I had no interest in being an academic at all. That's just not my world or my thing. I have great respect. God bless every single one of them and especially bless their patience with dealing with me in the classroom. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they were gracious and good to me. <laughs> I didn't deserve it, <laughs> but um, I felt that pressure. Mm. Like I must, mm. I must get better on the next one. I've got to, you know, that where did that drivenness thing come? And there's a part of me that wonders why was so much of that, you know, kind of single solitary focus. Yeah. You got to do it for preaching, but that's about it. Mm. Mm. Everything else in the parish is about dealing with people. And in particular, um, if, if, a, if a parish is going to thrive, it's putting together teams and getting yeah. those teams to work well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I like this vision. We've got, we got uh, like uh, musical team leadership. We've got sports team <laughs> leadership. You could almost imagine like a, a sort of week by week different kinds oh of Oh, my teams. gosh, yes. Chefs. Yeah. Put them oh. in the kitchen. Mm, and give mm -hmm. them like a, a big meal that has to be mm. made and everybody's got their part in getting that meal made and it has to be timed at a certain in a certain way so that it all lands on the plate ready to go at the same time. Yeah. You could just, we need to pitch the master class. Yeah, this would be this is sort of cross-disciplinary view of leadership. Yeah, I would come to that class. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> 
so we didn't want to start with this question because it, 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 it has the potential to sort of set a, a tone that may or may not be helpful. But we do want to talk about um, changes that might be important um, in seminary settings and, and maybe you've nodded to some of this already. Um, so we're curious um, if, if there was one change you could make in terms of how we form leaders in the Episcopal Church in seminaries or you know other structures, um, what, what, what change would you make? It would definitely be, uh, I think, general at, at one point. I don't know if they still have it, the wisdom year. It mm. would definitely uh, gap year for everybody. Mm -hmm. Every two years yeah. in the classroom and a year out and then come back. So it's a four year program. And that's where everybody just goes, you have lost your mind. <laughs> you know? And I understand it because it's more money, et cetera. But I think to give people a chance to integrate some of the stuff that they've had and then come back in and do more study and have a, a real sense of, you know, here are the things that I really wish I could spend more time in. And yeah, you can get to it with continuing education, but I'm sorry, it's a different animal. Yeah, it yeah. really and truly is a very different animal in seminary. Um, it's widely, incredibly impractical, but I find that right now I'm having to put almost every seminarian on a four-year plan anyway, mm -hmm. um, because people have kids and you know, all kinds of stuff going on. Um, so, and even the really young ones are needing a fourth year. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I, I know it's not practical for everybody, but gosh, I yeah. think it would, it could be a powerful thing. Um, and some real, it, it would take some real managing because I wouldn't want to just say, go fly. You know, there are things you need to accomplish. Yeah. There needs to be some specific feedback points in there. So people yeah. are kind of building a sense of here are real gaps in my education I want to address. Yeah. And here's some real passion I didn't even know I had, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I discovered it in the midst of this really immersive year. Yeah. And I might not have discovered it in 12 hour a week field that or eight hour a week field. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes right. Sense. And to not have the pressure of, you know, I, I'm ordained, so I must have it right. Mm. You know what? If you're an intern, no, you don't. Oh, that's so helpful. We should talk to maybe, um, maybe for a future series, we'll, we'll talk to our uh, Lutheran colleagues in the GTU. Cause I think that's their, that I is their, their model. model, right? Yeah. yeah. Is there any sort of final advice that you would want to share with a, with a seminary that is sort of contemplating its, its future mission and role? <sighs> yeah, that's where I feel woefully inadequate. Um, mostly I just want to, I would offer encouragement mm. to say that your ministry is so needed um, the, the challenge of church right now is, um, it, 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 it has become more complicated every five years. Yeah. It, it just gets more and more complex. So, you know, I don't expect a seminary to form every little thing. I don't expect seminaries to be teaching about roofs or how to do payroll. Mm -hmm. I think you get that in a practicum someplace. Um, but I think if people, if people actually really know the Bible 
if they have not only the ability to kind of name their own theology, but important theologies in our tradition and kind of the important theologies floating around in the world. We've, we've got to know, you know, if we don't understand that there are people who um, really believe that we were put on this earth to use everything in it. So mm. it's not just that they're ignoring creation. They think that's mm. their theology. Yeah. So right. it's like, you got to understand who you're tussling with. Mm. So, you know, I, I think to, to do that work right now, when everybody's saying, find a new way to do it, maybe I'm a dinosaur. I'm probably the wrong person to listen to mm. because I, um, I, I believe in what the seminaries are doing and I know you have to change and um, innovate and deal with what's happening out here. Um, but I think all of us are, are innovating in terms of video land. Gosh, have we learned a whole world? Yeah. What vestry is ever going to meet every single time? Yeah. <laughs> face to face. Yeah, thanks now be to God. Know at least yeah. half of those are going to be online. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, um, so we've learned a lot. So I think some of that innovation is going to come, and um, I, I trust that there are brighter, far more experienced minds than than mine um, that will have good advice that way. I just, I just have to say thank you, and please keep it up. <laughs> you know? Well, and I appreciate that reminder that that you know this this curriculum, uh, you know, broadly speaking, not CDSP specifically, but the the. The, 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 these traditions of how we form leaders for the church are um, in, in many ways quite ancient and have have um, developed over a lot of time and with a lot of thought and um, have seen a lot of folks through a lot of challenges. So I appreciate that reminder. Yeah, yeah cool. Well, Bishop Hughes, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate your time and your perspective. And uh, this has been great. Thank you. You're welcome. And thanks for letting me uh, be a part of this. I appreciate it. Crossings Conversations is a co-production of Church Divinity School of the Pacific and Trinity Church Wall Street. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or share it with a colleague. You can learn more about the only Episcopal seminary on the West Coast and subscribe to Crossings Magazine at cdsp.edu.